Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today, my guest is Daniel Ferens. I had him on the show today to talk about his latest film, Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman. The film was released in theaters on <laughs> August 16th and will be available on VOD on September 3rd. Uh, sorry about the noise you hear in the background there. I'm recording this from my cell phone outside while my son's playing. Uh, so I had an issue with the file that I uploaded before and I just realized this and wanted to do this on the fly to make sure that uh, the episode went out okay. All right, hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, Daniel, hey, how are you today? I'm good. I, I would, I'd be on video as well, except I had a little gremlin in my system today. And I don't know why the videos just keeps turning off. Like it's just kind of crazy. So it's one of those weird days. <laughs> it's a, uh, my friend. No, of course it's a typical day. Um, for the last 18 months. <laughs> right. It's something we've I have to, I have to say, I love the jaws poster. I have one behind me as well. Oh, excellent. Um, <laughs> first thing I gotta, I gotta say, thank you, um, to you. I'm not sure if you would remember this or not, but we actually spoke about five years ago and it was right when I first started doing this. And there was a couple of people that I interviewed early on that really made me feel more comfortable doing this. And you were one of those people. So thank oh, that's you so nice. very much. That's so kind of you. Thank you, Christopher. I'm glad you continue to do it. That's, 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 that's fantastic. Good for you. And I've been following your career ever since I get, we spoke about Havenhurst pretty closely since then. I, remember, and, yeah, I do. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I, you were just about to, uh, come out with Amityville at that time. That's the project you were the next thing that was coming down the pike. And yep. since then, you've moved into this. Um, you're doing a lot of true crime stories, but you're mm -hmm. putting a very different spin on them than I think mm -hmm. traditional true crime films. Well, what's had you uh, had you head down this path? You know, I, I don't know if it was like a conscious idea or decision on my part. You know, I think some of it was, um, you know, kind of an interest in. Um, things that, you know, were, were notorious when I was a kid, the things that gave me, a, gave me nightmares, you know? So, you know, when I look at movies like, you know, I started my career in the Halloween franchise and, you know, and, and very grateful for that. But I think the things that really af affected me growing up were, you know, these, these stories ripped from the headlines. You know, I was, I was in the womb when the Charles Manson, you know, Sharon Tate massacre, horrifying thing that changed the world in a way happened. And I remember, you know, my mother feel, telling me stories of how, you know, scared she was, you know, being pregnant with me um, and really relating to that story and how terrifying it all was. And I think all of that stuff was kind of in the ether when I was growing up. And the 70s were a weird time where with, you know, just serial killers and, and cults and just was like it just didn't feel like the safest time to be a kid although we acted like we were safe you know <laughs> there was it was very different from today where kids don't really leave their parents side you know we were always out playing and you know but there was always like kind of that lurking fear of like you know just just kind of it was a time when you didn't feel particularly safe in, in your neighborhood or your home and I think stories like Ted Bundy for instance really drove that home for people so I think maybe in, in some weird way I've been kind of like exercising those childhood demons by, you know, uh, telling my own versions of these stories, which, as you mentioned, kind of have a, an, a different spin, typically, uh, than what, you know, the reality of the story really was. Um, some yeah. of it may be wish fulfillment, too, you know, I mean, like, in the case of Haunting of Sharon Tate, I feel like that was an, a way of saying, like, what would have happened had those victims been able to take charge, you know, and not by any fault of their own that they didn't, but you know, how, how does fate sometimes lend a hand in our lives? 
So those are the kind of questions I, you know, I'm interested in. Well, it's something that particular growing up that way. I I'm 46. I'm B46. And so young. Uh, so yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> I was raised in the 80s. And mm-hmm. it was a, so born in the 70s, but raised in the 80s. It was a very similar feeling to what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it, I mean, Ted Bundy was one of these things, but you did feel safe. Um, there were all these shows and all these programs, things that were the explosion of true crime, really, it just became a nightly thing where there was mm-hmm. um, all these TV shows, the court TV and all these things started popping up when I was, you know, a young teenager. So yep. the reality of that, but there was always this separation that for some reason that it felt like it would never happen in mm-hmm. my neighborhood. It always mm-hmm. felt like there was this big distance from it. And sure. so these things never really grabbed a hold of me like that. It was always a curious fascination to mm-hmm. where something that was more absurd would actually scare me, I think, more than mm. these stories of reality, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Oh, no, I mean, listen, I mean, it's it, it all kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, I, I do think sometimes maybe the the genre, and you're a horror genre person, you, you understand how so. look at the poster on your wall. Um, but, you know, I feel like in a way, it, those stories kind of all in a political way, like, I, I mean, I, I argue that like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre probably wouldn't have been made had the Vietnam War not been going on. And and similar, like, Night of Toby the Living Hooper Dead. agrees with you on that one, so, Right, yes. so, um, but, you know, and even I think about Halloween and, and the era in which that was made when the Ted Bundy story was all over the news, and, and they created this American boogeyman, you know, in Michael Myers. Again, one step removed from the true story. And, and made fantastic with the mask and the, the knife and the Halloween setting and all of that. But I, I do think there's some really interesting parallels, you know, and, and I think it's not by accident that I saw this movie as, you know, an extension of movies like Halloween. Uh, you know, I think there's some, there's definitely some interesting comparisons to be drawn, you know, and I do wonder if I were to sit down with John Carpenter and I've met him a couple of times, but I've never asked him the question of, you know, was, was the Ted Bundy, story the fact that was in the zeitgeist at the time at all in, uh, an influence to him when he sat down to write halloween in early 1978 when when all of this was kind of coming out there's I, I think there's something that in halloween and other films like that other slasher films where when you don't see behind the mask when the mm-hmm. humanization um doesn't exist that it's just not a part of it and you're left it's left in mystery um mm-hmm that it becomes more scary in that sense. But then with something like Ted Bundy, um, you actually, the, there's certain elements, the way that you approach the character, which is incredibly unnerving. I think of a moment in the film that almost felt like the opening of Apocalypse Now with Martin Sheen. Where you're getting inside his head for a yeah. moment when he has yeah. the pornography in front of him and you just see him go through like, rubbing the knife against the, you know, the heater and those things. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like you're seeing this moment. And that was the stuff that was incredibly unnerving when it moves mm-hmm. into that reality of it, I guess, where you're kind of seeing inside his head. And that was incredibly yeah. uncomfortable to watch, something that was unique yeah. to your film. I, listen, I mean, I'd like to say thank you, but I mean, honestly, it's it's, it's just like, how do you depict the unraveling of a, of a, of a mind, you know? And I think that was sort of the challenge in, in a sequence like that, you know, is to kind of visually show the torment, but also the rage and the the monstrousness that was Bundy, and um, you know, um, I think I think you know it was it was like a real horror film in that sense. You know, it was it was happening, and these demons did exist in him. 
he did believe there was this entity. I don't think it was ever considered like a supernatural entity, but I think that he believed that there was a force that drove him and protected him in a way that he felt it was his shield, his cover. I mean, he said in many interviews that he felt like he could be invisible. Uh, and that's chilling to me, you know, that, that, that he would have these, you know, and I think that comes from the narcissism, the malignant narcissism that existed within his personality to think that he was this larger than life, powerful person. I think that's very common in people with those disorders, but, but I think in Bundy's case, you know, the, 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 in, the intensity, the, the viciousness of his crimes and the passion which, which, which he committed them, um, it's just something that I don't think we'll ever as, as a society ever forget it. And um, I don't think we should, you know, I don't think we should dust it under the carpet or say, oh, there's too many stories about this guy. You're glamorizing him. Never was that my intention. Not anybody that I worked with hired uh, for a moment did we ever talk about how cool this was. You know, we in Chad Michael Murray, who plays him, I think, very well in the film, you know, he and I talked a lot about we wanted to really delve into the monstrous side, the the, de the demented side of Bundy that, that, you know, I think some films have made him out to be sort of like, and not to impugn anybody else's work, but I feel like there are, there are some other ver versions of, of him portrayed um, where he just feels a little too affable, a little too almost misunderstood. And um, we just didn't go that route with this. Well, that's one of the, it's an incredibly complicated character to play because you have to do, have somebody that's believable as being charming. Because that right. was one of the things that was that everybody said about him that he could mm -hmm. just charm you into mm -hmm. not noticing him, uh, as you're yep. saying. And yeah, but he's a monster at the same time, and finding that balance is incredibly difficult. And I, could you just talk for a moment about casting Chad in that role? Because I think he actually does nail this performance and gets that balance oh, right. Well, that's nice. I know he'd be happy to hear you hear that from you. Um, he, um, yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was, I always liked him. Um, there were two things that that kind of struck me where was the his his um, portrayal uh, of the kind of crazed kind of cult leader in in Riverdale um, that kind of drew my attention. But it was weird. Then I started. I don't know why I put two and two together. Maybe it's my Halloween you know obsession and connection to that franchise. But he starred in the the <laughs> sounds kind of weird, but the Freaky Friday remake with Jamie Lee Curtis back in the early two thousands. And yeah. he was also in that film was Mark Harmon who played Ted Bundy originally in the TV movie. That's right, yeah. So I don't know, maybe that was kind of in the, you know, back of my mind too. And um, I don't know, it just made sense. And, and then when he and I met, um, it just, it kind of all clicked, you know, and I, I felt like he understood what, what I was going for. And he was willing to kind of go to that dark, horrible place, which is not easy. You know, it's not a pleasant place to kind of inhabit for <laughs> a period of time. Um, and he, you know, Chad just, approached it, I think, like a professional actor. But, you know, I think I think that it was creepy, you know? I mean, we're shooting in a, at the beginning of the pandemic where it was, you know, we were the very first independent movie to be greenlit at that time. And we were wow. shooting at this like abandoned college campus out in Pomona and it was dark and creepy and, and had all those old sodium vapor lights everywhere. And we just felt like we were in this weird place, you know? So it wasn't maybe hard to get into the, spirit of it if you will um but yeah no chad was very very gracious and 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 giving and was just happy to be there and contribute to this because i think he understood that there's a side of ted bundy that 
you know, should never be shown as, as being anything but incredibly dark, vicious, and manipulative uh, as he was. And I think he, you know, the fact that he was willing to go there and take that chance, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you didn't have somebody that was able to do that, the whole movie would fall apart. There's a lot of yeah. um, films like this um, can hang their hats on gags and things, you know, the kind of a moment of scare, those kinds mm -hmm. of things where you can yep. kind of say, okay, I can forgive these other things. Um, mm -hmm. But with this film, if you don't get that balance right, your movie could be offensive. Um, yeah. We, so that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, we, re we really did skirt that line. And, and it was hard, you know, I mean, when you're depicting real people, it's a difficult thing, you know, and, and, you, and, I, and I thought always of like, you know, the pain and suffering that he caused, you know, not just obviously to the victims, goes without saying, but also to their family members. And I wanted to, you know, show their pain. I wanted to show their loss, their rage at what he had done to them, you know, and forever altered the course of their lives. So that's why I introduced, you know, Holland Roden's character, Kathy McChesney, based on the real Seattle detective who worked so tirelessly to bring Bundy to justice um, and kind of her story. And that's never really been told other than in documentaries, which was kind of was the origin of all of this, was just being fascinated by all the people in the orbit, if you will, of, of this case and how they were never really depicted in any of these films to any great extent. So that's, that was really my idea, was I wanted to tell the story of, of the monstrous Ted Bundy through the eyes of those who suffered at his hands, but also those who worked so difficult, you know, such a difficult case when they had no technology to speak of like we do today. A lot of the dialogue in the film, like she says, you know, there, there's only, there's only one computer in the office and it belonged to the payroll department. Well, that's true. Um, you know, and, and just the sexism that she encountered as a young, police detective in a very male dominated profession at that time. She really, she had to prove herself more than others. And I think she rose to that. And we, we showed the, the film to the real McChesney not long ago and she was honored and, and she felt that we really paid tribute to the victims and also to the difficulty that they, you know, encountered when they were trying to hunt him down. And I just wanted to, I know we're kind of getting close on time here, no, that's but, fine. but I just wanted to say that um, I've really enjoyed watching the evolution of the way your films look. This film gets very, um, almost borderline experimental at times mm -hmm, with the mm -hmm. style and right. you breathed new life into a film that I wasn't expecting to enjoy like this. Oh, you were the wow. reason that I wanted to see this. Um, oh, and, that's so kind. Thank you. Yeah, and no, no, and and I'm glad I did, and I'm glad I hung out and watched it because this is something that you did something with it that you put your own stamp on this, which is something that's uh, not not easy to do considering how many yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. you saying that. It was never really about me. It was really about trying to, you know, tell a story that again, you know, if you notice in the film, like you know, the, the character McChesney that Holland plays, I think very beautifully is you know her quest her the reason behind all of this is these girls that she relates to so much. And I just wanted to keep showing their faces and saying their names. That was like hugely important to me. So, um, you know, I hope, I hope that came through and Absolutely. Um, I hope that, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, people are going to come to their own conclusions or have, they're going to come in with some, some people come in with these like preconceived ideas, but, you know, I know where my heart was with this and with all these films, you know, it was never to exploit or make money off of, or, you know, I think people like very lazily kind of scribe these 
you know, accusations. And I think it's, it's, it's very kind of convenient. Um, and a lot of them, I think, don't really watch the film. So I yeah. appreciate that you did. So thank you. I'm convinced that most uh, online critics read other critics and then kind of copy what they've read before and don't take the time to formulate their own opinion on things because I just you see very similar trains of thought. Uh, I, I couldn't deviation. agree more <laughs> without <laughs> naming names, but yes, yeah, yeah. we definitely. Yeah, see I've it. been, you know, and I and I take it with a grain of salt at this point. I think it's, it's you know, part of it is the the genre makes some people uncomfortable. Part of it makes you know part of the fact that it's something a true story that you know some people feel should be remain should remain buried forever and never bring it up and i feel like well that's in my opinion that's not that's not accurate i think the dark and the light have to be brought out and and, re and we need to remind ourselves of, of our history or, or we risk repeating it um Absolutely. not to say that you know another ted bundy is going to just surface because of a movie or not because of a movie but but um i just feel like this story and and the people who lived through it or didn't live, you know, didn't survive it. I think they, they need to be remembered. Well, damn it. You just hit on something that I really want to get into, but I know that you guys are uh, short on time right now. So I hope that I get to talk to you again when the Eileen uh, film comes out, because I'm oh, definitely great. interested about in that one. So yeah, Thank yeah. You. Totally very, very different from this one. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. And th thank you again for taking the time today. And thank you for, uh, oh, for sure. Setting me on the again right to path. hear you stuck with your your passion and that's that's amazing good for you thank you daniel i hope you have a great day you take care thanks, thanks man thanks emma bye, -bye. bye, -bye. okay bye. great time enough to figure you out time enough to write this down wish me luck give me hope
Voice Crack.